Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. I'm going to read from John chapter 20 and beginning to read from verse 10. If you'd like to follow along with me, then please do. John chapter 20, reading from verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked the woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I've been struck by two comments this week. The first was from a friend I saw when I was out for my daily exercise. My friend lives on their own and they said to me, it's so nice to see people in the flesh. FaceTime and Zoom calls are great, but it's not the same as actually seeing people, she said. The second comment to grab me was from a journalist reporting on the rising death rate in the UK. They said, the number alone is staggering, but behind every number is a person and a grieving family. There are many issues relating from, resulting from this pandemic. Mental health, domestic abuse, financial ruin, huge national concerns tied up with education and the economy and PPE for health workers. The complications are manifold. But right at the heart of the devastation is the loss of relationships. Many relationships ended forever through death. Many more suspended through lockdown. This crisis is telling us what I guess we've always known deep down, that we can't live without relationships. And that is the issue at the heart of our Bible passage this morning. As we turn to John chapter 20, we see Mary brokenhearted because she's lost the most important relationship she ever had. But in these verses, her grief is completely turned around because of the resurrection of Jesus. If you were with us last week, you'll know that this chapter is about giving us confidence that Jesus' resurrection is believable because this chapter is full of eyewitness testimony. And that's the first point. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first point, a surprising eyewitness. Look with me at verse 10, John chapter 20 and verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood out the, outside the tomb crying. It's a desperately sad sight. In your mind's eye, can you see poor Mary there with such a, such a lonely figure? Uh, Peter and John have left the tomb and gone back home, verse 10. Uh, you'll remember from last week, Peter and John had run to Jesus' tomb when Mary had told them that Jesus' body was missing. They looked inside the tomb. They saw the grave clothes and they came to the conclusion that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now they, they've gone home and, and Mary has arrived once again back at the tomb. And there she is at the graveside all alone, sobbing, broken hearted. She hasn't come to the same conclusion that Peter and John came to. 
she still thinks that Jesus is dead. And to compound her misery, she thinks someone has stolen Jesus's body. Can you feel her pain? Jesus, the man who treated her like no other man, possibly the only man to ever come into her life and not to take from her, but to give to her. Jesus, the one who gave her dignity and showed her love. I mean, real, pure, undefiled love. Jesus had given Mary meaning and purpose in life, but now he was gone. And as far as she knew, he was gone forever. And so our heart is breaking as she stands there all alone and with, with tears rolling down her cheeks. Verse 11, she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. Finally, Mary looks inside the tomb and like Peter and John, she discovers that it's not an empty tomb at all. But for Mary, it's not the grave clothes she sees, but two angels. She doesn't seem startled by these angelic visitors, so I guess they just look like two men. And they simply ask her a question. Why are you crying? And she replies, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they've put him. Clearly, at this point, Mary still isn't thinking about a resurrection. It's not even a possibility for her. She just wanted to see Jesus' body one more time. Maybe she wanted to hold Jesus' body one more time. In her grief, she can't bear the thought of, of letting go, and, and so she's desperate to know where the body is. But then something catches her eye. Verse 14, at this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. She sees Jesus standing there, but she doesn't think it is Jesus, which takes us back to the things we were considering last week. This is a chapter full of eyewitnesses. And in John's Gospel, it is striking that Mary is the first person to actually see the risen Jesus from the dead. Last week in the first nine verses, Peter and John saw the grave clothes in the tomb. And from the way the grave clothes lay in the tomb, they concluded that Jesus must have risen from the dead, but they didn't see the risen Jesus. So here is John's first eyewitness of the risen Jesus, and you see what is so surprising about it? It's a woman. Here again is the ring of truth about this chapter. If this were made up, you'd never cite Mary as your first eyewitness, because the testimony of women didn't carry any weight in first century Israel. No one would have listened to a woman's testimony in a court of law. Indeed, a woman's testimony wouldn't have even been admissible in a court of law. But John's reporting the facts, not making the story up or even making the story more palatable. He's just telling it as it is. And the first to see the risen Jesus was Mary, a woman. What's more, see just how real her testimony is. I mean, you'd never write it like this if it were fabricated. Look again at verse 14. Mary turned round and saw Jesus, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. Through the tears, she doesn't recognise Jesus. And so, verse 15, Jesus asked her the same question that the angels asked her. Why are you crying? And then he adds another question. Uh, who are you looking for? And taking him for the gardener, she asks him if he knows the whereabouts of the body. Again, can you hear the ring of truth in this account? It's very clear that Mary is not thinking of a resurrection. 
And that is very important because, as we thought last week, some have tried to explain away the resurrection as a psychological event in the lives of Jesus' followers. In an attempt to discredit the resurrection, some have said it, it never happened, but it was all in the minds of the disciples, just wishful thinking on their part. The things they saw were not real at all, but hallucinations. The theory goes that Jesus' disciples so longed for Jesus to be risen from the dead that they imagined they saw him when in fact they didn't. Well, that sort of thing does happen. Shortly after my mum died, I can remember very distinctly seeing someone in a crowd who, for a split second, I was convinced was my mum. When you so long to be with someone you've lost, your mind can play tricks on you. But let's be clear, that is not what's happening here. No, Mary's experience was exactly the opposite to that. Mary didn't see the gardener and think it was Jesus. She saw Jesus and presumed it was the gardener. Mary wasn't expecting a resurrection at all. She wasn't expecting to see Jesus alive again. And so even when she did see him, she didn't realise it was him. Until verse 16, Mary said to her, Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus simply calls her by name, Mary. And she instantly recognises him. It uh, reminds us of something Jesus said earlier in John's Gospel. The good shepherd calls his sheep by name and they know his voice. Mary knows this is Jesus and from this moment on she's in no doubt. Here she moves from grief to belief and once she believes in the resurrection she moves from anguish to joy. That's what faith in the resurrection of Jesus does for us. Of course death is still a terrible thing. The loss of a loved one is agony. The pain is immense. Uh, the fear of our own death is a dark cloud that hangs over us. But knowing that Jesus has defeated death changes everything. It even changes grief. With the truth of the resurrection, grief is no longer compounded by hopelessness. Allow me to be autobiographical for a moment. Nine and then ten years ago, my dad and then my mum died within about a year of each other. I missed them terribly. I still do. But they were both Christian people. And so knowing that death was not the end for them changed my grief. And it still does. Knowing that they are with the Lord and free from suffering and pain and knowing that they are more alive now than they ever had been, knowing that is wonderful. And look, the point of John chapter 20 is that that isn't just wishful thinking on my part. The Christian belief in the resurrection is rooted and grounded in solid, reliable eyewitness testimony. Mary saw the risen Jesus in verse 17, Jesus tells her to go and tell the other disciples. And so in verse 18, she went to them with the life changing news. I've seen the Lord. And end of verse 18, she told the disciples what Jesus had said to her. And what Jesus said to her in verse 17 takes us to our second point. So from a surprising eyewitness to secondly, a spectacular new relationship. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. We've already seen that Jesus' resurrection transformed Mary. From being a lonely, desperate figure full of grief and beside herself, she's changed. By verse 18, she's running to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. She has the most momentous news to share with the disciples and her grief has been transformed into joy. And that is wonderful. The resurrection does that. But it does more than that. 
In verse 17, we see that Jesus wants to take Mary deeper. He doesn't simply want to bring Mary or us to the point where we don't have to fear death anymore. As wonderful as that is, and boy, do we need that as the fear of death grips the nation and indeed the world. But wonderful and amazing as that is, Jesus wants Mary and us to understand that his resurrection does even more than that. The resurrection is the beginning of a completely new relationship. So Jesus says, verse 17, don't hold on to me. Mary, now that I'm risen from the dead, the nature of our relationship has changed forever. Mary, you must relate to me differently. You must not think of me as just a teacher. That's what she called him in verse 16, Rabboni, teacher. But Mary must see that he's more than that. When I ask people who they think Jesus is, many reply in precisely this way. I think Jesus was a, a good moral teacher, they say. And in appreciation of Jesus' teaching, people have said to me, yeah, I try to live my life by the Sermon on the Mount, that part of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Now, of course, Jesus was a great teacher. Many of Jesus' teachings are part of everyday parlance today. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, keep on the straight and narrow. Uh, there are, are so many sayings that we use today. So many of Jesus' teachings have been incorporated into our language and into our thinking. And arguably, much of the legal and moral framework of this nation has its foundations in the teachings of Jesus. He was a brilliant teacher. But his resurrection says that he wasn't just a great teacher. The resurrection says he must be more than that. If we leave Jesus as just a great wise man or a guru, if we only view him as one of the great prophets, if we only see him the way many people see other prominent religious leaders, then we have completely missed the point. We are way off. Verse 17 says we must let go of any merely human view of Jesus. Mary was not to follow Jesus the way other religions follow human teachers and neither are we. We now follow the risen and glorified one who is with us from heaven. Look at verse 17. Do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. After the resurrection comes the ascension. Forty days after this encounter, Jesus was going to be taken up to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And here's the big thing for us this morning. The death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus leads us into a new relationship. Look at the end of verse 17. I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus is returning or ascending to the father, to his rightful place in glory. And for Mary and for us... Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension to the Father has created a new relationship with God. So Jesus said at the end of verse 17 that we can call God our Father. Isn't that spectacular? We can know the God of all creation as our Father. We can have a new and very intimate relationship with God. Now, isn't that a mind-blowing thought? This is not religion. This is not a, a desperate attempt to do enough to get into God's good books. No, this is a God who has done everything for us because he loves us and he wants to know us personally and for him, for us to know him personally. Through Jesus Christ, we can have the most intimate relationship with the almighty God of all things. And the reason that's so good is that that is what we were made for. 
We are relational beings. We are feeling the truth of that as we go through this current crisis. It's why we're finding social distancing so hard and why we find self-isolation so difficult. We weren't meant to be loners. And of course, it's why we find death so hard. Death severs loving relationships and loving relationships are so hard to come by. I uh, think of the words of the late Freddie Mercury, the lead singer with the rock band Queen. Freddie Mercury said, um, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolisation and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. Freddie Mercury was right. We all need a loving, ongoing relationship, but not just any loving, ongoing relationship. We were made for a loving, ongoing relationship with God. And the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus gives us that. And wonderfully, this is a relationship that can never be broken or severed. Now, this is a relationship that social distancing cannot ruin because when Jesus spoke earlier in John's Gospel about his going away, he promised that when he went, he would send his promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God himself, present with us, living in us. So for the Christian, no matter where we are, we're never alone. When isolating, we may be cut off from everyone else, but we're not cut off from God. This is a relationship that, that cannot be interrupted. And this is a relationship that even death cannot end. Indeed, death is the door into experiencing and enjoying this relationship finally, fully and forever. Jesus brings us into a relationship that is the greatest relationship we could ever experience, a relationship with God. It's what life is all about. Life is hard right now for so many reasons, but not least of all because we're missing the intimacy of cherished relationships. And because for some, the most precious relationships in the world have ended in death. And those losses are painful. It's agony to lose a loved one. But that's why this is such brilliant news. For the Christian, death is not the end of the story. There's something greater to come. In the resurrection, grief becomes belief. And we can look forward to a day when the tears will all be gone forever. When we'll be with God, our Father, forever. As we close, let me ask you if you're sure of this, if you know God personally like this, if you're sure of life after death. If not, please look into these things. It's not too late to join our Christianity Explored course by Zoom video call uh, happening on Thursday nights. You can sign up through our website. For many watching this, you do already know and have this most intimate relationship with God as your father. So let me ask you if you're making the most of it right now. Are you turning to God daily and right through the day? When you feel alone and isolated and you're struggling through lockdown, are you turning to your Bible and turning to God in prayer and enjoying what is yours already through the Holy Spirit, a wonderful relationship with God? And are you fixing your gaze on the future when one day a relationship with God will be fully consummated when we'll enjoy an unending, beautiful relationship with our most glorious and gracious God and Father. What a future. That is the wonder of the cross, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. What a God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you very much for this uh, wonderful truth that because of the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, 
we can look forward to being with you forever. And even before that, now, enter into a wonderful relationship with you where we need never be alone, where you are always with us. Help those of us who are not sure of these things to look into them. Help those of us who are to make the most of them and to be sure to be enjoying our relationship with you and making it the most important thing in the entire world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.